we are empowered and we are forgiven. Amen. You know why? You know why we're empowered? We're empowered so we can do what's right. Amen. We're forgiven for what we haven't done right, but we're empowered to do right. Amen. I believe that. Glory to God. We are empowered to do what's right. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen. Tonight, we're continuing in our series on entitled, No More Fear. No more fear. How many believe that? No fear whatsoever in our lives, in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> Psalm 34.4, we read that uh, last week, but Psalm 34.4 says, I sought the Lord, and He heard me, and He delivered me from all of my fears. D David said that he had fears, but as I sought the Lord, God delivered me. So, if God delivered me of all my fears, then how much fear is left? Zero. Amen? If God delivered me of all fear, then I have no fear. If God delivered me of all fear, then I have no fear. There's no fear left over. So, I'm fear-free. How many can say amen to that tonight? We're fear-free. We've been empowered to walk free from fear in the name of Jesus. Look at this passage in Hebrews 2. Um, it'd be good for you, profitable for you, to go back and read before this verse and, and after the last verse I read here. There's two verses in Hebrews 2 and verse 14. It says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death, who through fear of death, were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Fear of death. And tonight what we're talking about, what we're looking at, is has so much to do with the fear of man. Um, how, how many know, when he's talking about the fear of death, I mean, how many know that there are no, there are no living people in graveyards? Right? There's, there's a bunch of old bodies that the people that went on used to live in those. That was their house. That was... This is a house that you, if you're going to live on planet Earth, you're going to be in one of these suits, like, a, like an astronaut suit, right? If you're going to live on planet Earth, you've got to live in one of these. But when you leave this, then the body goes back in the ground. If, if, uh, if I had a glove on right now, the glove would be moving because why? Because it's connected to my hand. You take the glove off, and the glove falls to the ground, my hand's moving, but the glove is doing nothing. If you're trying to stop the glove from moving, you take it away from what produces the action. You wouldn't be going stomping on the gloves, getting it to stop. 
it's already stopped. The bodies in the graveyard, are, those, are, those are not that person anymore. If you uncovered them and you took them out, there might be some similarities in there depending on how long they've been in it. But they're not there anymore. This is not me. I'm, the, the real me is the spiritual me. Right? And many of us in, in a lot of different ways are afraid of death. Not just dying a lot of people are afraid of dying and leaving this earth because they don't know where they're going. But many people are afraid, the word, the word death here means separation. So many people are, are afraid of being separated from something, not being able to be in control of something. Um, Jesus made this point that if you want to gain your life, you have to lose it. Because when you lose your life, then you gain it. So when you lose control of who you are, and you allow yourself to come under the guidance and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, then you find who you really are. Because if you get born again, your conscience, which is the voice of your spirit, begins to lead and guide you in what you were created to do. And then when that happens, what should be created in us is being free from any type of fear. The fear of death, the fear of man, the fear of failure, the fear of anything. I sought the Lord, I got closer to God, and He delivered me from all my fears. So how much is left over? None. So I can say, you can say, we can say this by faith in God. I'm afraid of nothing. I'm afraid of no man. I'm afraid of no government. We're going to read a scripture in a moment that says, if God be for me, then who can be against me? The answer to that question is nothing and nobody if you're seeking God, you're connected to Him, and you believe that He is who He said He is, and He's done for you who he said, what He said He's done. And if I believe that then, there's no, that, then there's nothing that can separate me from God, from the love of God, the, the love who God is. Nothing can separate me from that. So we've got to stay focused and aware of the fact that God has already, according to this verse of Scripture, He's already delivered those who through the fear of death were subject to bondage all their life. If you're in fear of death, of separation from God. If you're in fear of separating from anything, you're in bondage. And I'm going to give you some examples of what that looks like. Um, Proverbs um, 29 and verse 25 and 6. And this is in the New Living Translation. Fearing people is a dangerous trap. But trusting the Lord means safety. Many seek the ruler's favor, but justice comes from the Lord. Now, I didn't have time to, to read. I, 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 looked, I looked at that passage of Scripture in about a dozen different translations, but I don't have time to read that. But, but what he's saying there is this. Let, let's, look at, let's break this verse of Scripture down. Fearing people is dangerous. And 
and, and that's, that's the first verse. Fearing people is a dangerous trap, verse 25. But trusting the Lord means safety. Many seek the ruler's favor. What, what he's talking about there is that many seek for the promotion of man or putting their trust in man to elevate them and, and see them come into what God created them to be. That's a trap. Because no human being on earth can elevate you and advance you. The only thing that will elevate your life is trusting God. You know why? Because then it delivers you of fear. Then you can love man and not be afraid of man. Did you hear me? God, you know, you, you know somebody, that, somebody that really can't elevate you and maybe is putting pressure on you and intimidating you and all those kind of things, it's not going to help you to be ugly to them. But you're the one in control of your life if God's in control. And when you lose your life to God and you do it God's way, then those people can't control you. They can't manipulate you and you don't have to be afraid of anything or anybody. We can advance. I'm telling you what, we're advancing. Amen? This year is the door of opportunity is open and we're in a place to advance because God is leading us. We're hearing his voice and doing exactly what he's telling us to do. No fear. No more fear. Amen? That's the place you and I are living in. So he said, so in that verse 26, thinking that other people can advance you is a trap. Think about that for a minute. You thinking that other people can advance your life is a trap. People can help us. We need to help other people. You see an opportunity to bless somebody and help someone and, and, and do something in a good way that would elevate their life, that's a good thing. But I don't want to put my trust in anybody else elevating me and advancing me. I want my trust in God. Now, what, what's the church about? Because people come in not understanding what that looks like and, and what that's about because most people out there in, in the world and in the system we live in, most people are taught that you have got to trust other people or you've got to look for opportunities or you've got to, you know, you've got to make your way through this and, 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 and climb the, the ladder of promotion and those kind of things. No, no, no. You, you, have, to, you have to learn from the Holy Spirit what that trap looks like and not allow yourself to be caught up in that there's ways to promote and god will promote you and there's steps that you will take along the way but not the steps that the world or the system or the devil wants you to take that will cause things to not be good that's what that scripture is saying can't put our trust and our faith in men absolutely not this is this is a kind of a well-known scripture that <clears throat> we've talked about for years but found in Job 3 and 25 Job made this statement and there's a lot involved in that in his whole story but he but he said this and this applies to what we're talking about tonight for the thing I greatly feared has come upon me and what I dreaded has happened to me there's a difference between fear and dread fear is is something fear fear is is 
is a state that you're in. You, when, when you're afraid, if you're afraid of the dark, there's a reason why. And you're not going to just one day not being afraid of the dark. You've got to work at it and, and purpose to turn the light out or what, whatever it is you have to do to, to, be a, to get rid of being afraid of the dark. But dread is something that you meditate on all the time. When you're dreading, oh my gosh, I've, I've, got, a, I've got this test and I'm just absolutely dreading this. You know, well, what are you dreading? You're afraid you're going to fail. Right? And if you put no effort out and you've not studied, you, more than likely you will. You know, you, 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 can't, you, you can't start praying in tongues in, in, in the last hour and hoping that things will come to pass and God's going to give you all the answers. You've got to do something, you know, along the way. You've got you've to put out the effort, okay? But... You can put all the effort out and be in such dread that you'll fail the test because the thing that you most greatly feared and dreaded is what happened to you. And that's a spiritual principle that the reverse of that is the exact same. The things that you put faith and you develop faith and trust in because you, you're working on it you're, you're developing it day to day you're, you're purposing to trust God in a financial situation in a physical situation in an emotional situation you're, fit, you're purposing to trust God the more you do that that's what's going to happen to you and it's going to come on you what? the result of trusting and having faith in God and, and, and what will come on you and overtake you? all His promises when I have faith in the promises of God and not faith in being moved by what I see when it looks opposite of the promises of God, when I have faith in God, that's what's going to come on me. But if I allow fear and dread to remain, that's what's going to happen. You can, you can take that to the bank. That's what will happen in your life. You're mine. But you know what? No more fear. Say it. No more fear. I'm telling you, when, when I prayed for those of you that stood last week, when I prayed for you, I've been praying for you every day that, that you are overcoming. God's giving you wisdom and understanding. You're seeing clearly. You're hearing clearly. You're understanding what God's trying to get over you to you that you will not give in and, and succumb to those fears in your life anymore. No more fear. It's a faith statement, especially when you're facing things that you feel fearful about it's a faith statement but i promise you the faith statement will turn into a belief system if you'll continue to declare those things and do your due diligence in the word of god it will become a revelation in your life and you will find yourself overcoming fear at every corner because i'm telling you there are fears everywhere but david said i sought the lord and he delivered me of all my fears if God delivered David of all his fears, he's delivered Burt Wimberly of all his. How about you? Amen. Amen? We're delivered tonight of all fears in Jesus' name. So I want you to think about this. I have this, this passage that I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified so it's really wordy. But I, 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 it, it kind of fits and it kind of doesn't fit, but I'm going to define it so it'll fit. Um, but, but I want you to think about this and try to, try to relate this to your life and situations that are similar to this. So this, this passage is found in, in Galatians 2. And um, Peter, you know, 
Peter became a great man of faith. Um, after he denied Jesus, I'm telling you, man, he, he stepped it up. He became a pillar of the church. He became, he became the man, you know, one of the men. And, um, and, you know, the Apostle Paul, who is the, who penned the, the letter to the church at Galatia, um, the Apostle Paul, uh, he, he was a little later, right? Uh, he wasn't part of the original 12 or, or whatever. Actually, during the time of the original 12, he was out killing Christians. And uh, he, gets, he has his Damascus Road experience, you know, a little bit after uh, the day of Pentecost. And, um, and, and, and Paul comes to this place where he realizes, I've got, I've got to get revelation on this. I've got to seek the Lord. And, and he sought the Lord, and God delivered him of all of his fears. Same with, with the Apostle Paul. doesn't say that word for word, but that's what happened to him. And he got so delivered to the fear that he didn't care when he, where he went. And, and when you look at the testimony of the Apostle Paul, it says that he was in deaths, deaths often. He was at the point of death often. He preached in one city. They stoned him in the middle of the city, and he was preaching the next day somewhere else. I mean... He was in deaths often. God raised him from the dead time and time again from difficult situations that he was in. But he sought the Lord for many years. He, he purposely didn't go into any type of ministry, much of any type of ministry, for about 15 years on purpose. Wanting to develop and train himself and, and in essence see himself rid of the fears of his life. No intimidation of man. And, and this is an interesting passage, and, and I, 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 uh, I used to kind of look over this passage because it talked about what they ate and food and all these kind of things, and I just thought, well, you know, whatever. And, uh, but a few years back, it, it, it really hit me what was being said here. And, and I'm just going to read four verses, but it's in the Amplified, so it's pretty long. Um, verse 11. But when, when Cephas, Peter, came to Antioch, this is Paul saying, I protested and opposed him to his face concerning his conduct there. Now, you know, Paul's one of the pillars of the church now. But, but Peter was one of the main guys, one, one of the originals. For he was blamable and stood condemned. For up to, to, that, uh, up to the time that certain persons came from James, he ate his meals with the Gentiles, the converts, but when the men from Jerusalem arrived, he withdrew and held himself aloof from the Gentiles and ate separately for fear of those of the circumcision party. So in essence, what it is is this. So, um, so I come along and, and uh, Dale, this Gentile, we're over at his house and he's cooking up some pork chops. And I mean, he, I mean, he's going all out. And he's got some pork rinds, and you know, we're eating those. And I mean, he's going all out. Well, the Jews don't eat the pork. See, so Peter comes in, and he's he's chowing down on the pork chops and the pork rinds, and he's having, you know. And then all of a sudden, some some of the muckety mucks from the from the the, the Jewish hierarchy come in, and and he pulls himself away. And 
and he, you know, all of a sudden he becomes intimidated and fearful of these people. And for what reason? See, because he believes that all that pork stuff isn't an issue anymore. And so the challenge is in this passage that, that Paul brings to him when it says he, he rebuked him, the challenge is this. Paul, if you're going to eat the pork, eat the pork even if the pork guys come around and they don't like the pork. But if you believe you can eat the pork, then you can eat the pork one day and you can eat it the next day. You can eat it when, when it, uh, the, these people you've pulled off the street come in and you can eat it when, when all the Fortune 500 people are here and, and you can eat the pork chops the same way because it doesn't matter because I'm not intimidated because I'm comfortable in my own skin and I know who I am and these people can't do anything to advance me because I know that God is my advancement. Can you say amen? And, and in essence, as you read this, and I'm not going to even read the rest of it, as you read that, that's what happened with Peter. So Peter was a pillar, he was strong, he did some amazing things, some amazing manifestations and miracles. I mean, as a result of his obedience, thousands of people in the early days of the church, after the day of Pentecost, came into the kingdom of God because of his obedience. Then what happened? Over time, he got intimidated. He got a little of this, he started listening to a little of this, and started to focus a little over here, and he comes in here, and Paul had to jerk the slack out of him. To keep him to a place and reminding him, these people can do nothing for you. It's not about what someone else can do. Have you ever, have you ever, uh, like, I don't know, um, like, take a married couple like my wife and I. And uh, I grew up in one part of the United States. She grew up in another part of the United States. She's gone home with me at times to my, my world and, and my home. I've gone back to where she grew up, you know. And when we go there and, and when, when we go to my town or her town, do we, are we the same people when we come around different forms of people? You ever, you ever see people be one way or have you ever done it where you're one way around one group of people and maybe some high profile influential person comes around and all of a sudden you just like change? We all do. What's the motivation behind that? It's fear. It's intimidation. Like I can't be myself. I can't eat my pork chop. Right? Because somebody's going to judge me for what I'm doing. You can either eat the pork chop when Johnny come lately's around, you know, or you can't. And, and I'll tell you, one of the things that I've realized, and you know, I'm actually speaking out of and through my own experiences and things that I've learned along the way. But what happens when you fear man, you become a liar. Because you find yourself saying things and doing things under intimidation that, want to, that, that causes you to want to be a certain way to impress someone else when we don't have to do that. And I think all of us probably in different little ways, you know, maybe some people more than others depending on where you came from and, and things you've had or intimidations that you've had in your life. 
But being a liar, not speaking the truth, will shut down your destiny. You know why? Because you can't be trusted by God. When you're not truthful and you're not, you, you, you don't embrace truth in such a way that you will speak the truth and say how it is and be comfortable with it. If you've not developed that, you need to be developing that in your life. Because we don't want to sabotage our destiny and what God has created us to do and to accomplish. And not speaking the truth and being intimidated, that's why the Apostle Paul, that's why the Apostle Paul jerked the slack out of Peter because he was, you know, s- several words that they used in this passage of Scripture, it says he was... Um, uh, he withdrew and held himself aloof and, and separated himself because of the fear of that party, of that group of people. He was afraid of them. So now he said one thing to the Gentiles, and now it's changed because of the intimidation of the other group of people. God don't want us to live like that. That's the most horrible way on planet Earth to live. We don't have to be intimidated by anybody. We don't have to take a back seat to anybody. Another situation that I'm thinking about is found in a passage of Scripture. And again, this, this passage, there's a lot you could say here, and I'm only making one point out of this, or a couple of points. But um, this, this is another issue where people are not advancing and prospering because of fear, because of fear in their life. And it has to do with a husband-wife relationship. In 1 Peter 3... In verse 1, and I'm reading this out of the New Living Translation, it says, In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then, even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of the fancy hairstyles and expensive jewelry or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They put their trust in God and accepted the authority of their husbands. For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters when you do what is right, watch this, without fear of what your husbands might do. Now, What does that have to do? We're not talking about husband-wife relationship. We're talking about being intimidated and fearful of relationships and personalities. Okay? And you've heard me say this before. Nowhere in the scripture does it say that men, a a man isn't saying what was said here about to a wife. A man isn't saying that. That's what God is saying. A man, Peter, penned this from God, but it's God saying it. It's not a man, a a husband, having to tell his wife how she's supposed to submit. In fact, nowhere in Scripture does it say anything about the man, the husband, telling the wife how she's supposed to submit. She's to seek the Lord, deliver herself of all fears, and then do what God wants her to do. That's between her and God. 
how a woman submits in that way, how a man submits to his wife. Because see, before in, in Ephesians, when it talks about the roles of husband and wife, before the roles of husband and wife, verse 22 of, of Ephesians 5 says, submit one to another in the fear of the Lord. But in the roles of husband and wife, there's a submission part from the woman, there's a submission part from the man, for the man and the wife, the, the, the man and the woman, the husband and wife, to do what God says and to not be afraid of what the other one does. A lot of times, people sabotage their destinies, even in marriage, because after a while, it's like, you know, and I've heard women say this time and time and time again, and justifiably. And rightfully so. If I submit to my husband, I'm going to lose my identity. That's not what God said. God didn't say that. God said, if you'll you'll get delivered of the fear of losing your identity, I'll make sure that you're identified in me, and I'll cause you to overcome in everything you do. That's right. You ever heard the saying, if mama ain't happy... Ain't nobody happy. It's funny, but it's not scriptural. Truth is, mama needs to get happy. That's the truth. And husband needs to grow a spine. That's right. That, that, that's a lot of the reason that mama ain't happy. Because the husband hasn't learned how to submit to the will of God and love his wife the way Christ loved the church and give himself to her and acknowledging her as the bride of Christ the way Jesus loved the church but there's a lot of people and 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 a, a lot of mentality is that and 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 so what happens with men is that they do everything they can to keep mama happy because when mama ain't happy nobody happy so then what men do is they become spineless to not stand up and do the truth and be the leader that God created them to be. I'm talking about in, in marriage relationship. Because of the fear of the opposite sex. They're afraid of them. So everything gets cold and shut down in marriage relationship. There's nothing happening, nothing going on because we've not learned to flow in the roles that God created us to flow in because we're in fear and we're, in, we're afraid of each other. That's why most marriages end in divorce. You can say, well, it's because of money, it's because of sex, it's because of this. No, it's because people don't understand roles and they're afraid of each other. Woman's afraid the man's going to control him. Man's afraid that if he does something in a leadership role, that it's going to tick her off and then she's not going to be happy. And when mama's not happy, ain't nobody happy. All fear-based, all of it. And I'm declaring tonight, we don't have to be those kind of people in any type of relationship. I'm just using, I read that passage of scripture because I saw that in the sixth verse. He said, you are daughters when you do what's right without fear of what your husbands might do. So that means to obey God is to obey him and to have a good attitude about your obedience. I'm talking about the, the, the wife and the husband both. You know, because I, I didn't go into verse 7. It talks about the husband. I'm just, you know, I want to focus on the women, what they need to do. But um, 
No, I'm teasing. But it's just across the board. These roles are not that difficult. We just need to know God. We don't have to be afraid of men, of people, of human beings. We can trust God and be liberated from fear if we continue to seek God. If we develop that relationship with God, then all of a sudden, these relationships begin to fall into place. Then we don't, we don't have to go and, and be one way around one person and another way around others. I can't tell you how many times through the years that in the church world, in this church, people are one way around me and they're another way around other people. And someone leaves the church and I find out that they did this, 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 and this, and they said this, this, and this, and they never said that to me. Nobody ever came to me and said a specific thing to me about it. But all of a sudden, they're gone, and they got an attitude, and they've got all this stuff, and they're telling other people around them, but when they're in my presence, it's all hunky-dory. Huh? Fear. Fear of man. Can't be honest. Can't be truthful about how you feel. I'm not talking about being disrespectful. I'm just talking about being truthful. You got something you need to say, say it. I'd rather you say it than me have to hear it on Facebook. See it on Facebook. Well, today, hear it on Facebook. <laughs> It'll be live videotaped. I'd rather hear it face-to-face with somebody instead of me having to chase somebody out. One time years ago, a guy left the church mad, told I don't care how many people that I did something to him. One day I was in Gibson's, and I saw the guy, and he saw me. And here we go. Man, he ran down one aisle, and man, I went down that aisle, and I'm, I'm watching for him, you know? And I found him. And I just said, hey, what's up? Why, why can't you just tell me? What, what, what the heck did I do? I've had three people tell me that you're upset and you're mad at me. He just started bawling, you know, and crying. Whatever, you forgive him and do whatever, you know? But, but just, just be honest. Just tell me what? Huh? I, there's not a human being out there that ever left this church that I can't look at eyeball to eyeball knowing that because if I found out I did something, I went to them. I can look at anybody eyeball to eyeball and not think a, not think a thing. You understand? And that's what's so important about this life. We've got to be able to be honest and our faith be in God and not be afraid of mankind and humanity. And that way we can love humanity and see people one to the kingdom. That's what it takes. Don't be mad at people. Love people. Love everybody. Love everybody. Actually, I, I, I mean, there's this overwhelming love and passion that I have for people that are not very lovable more today than I've ever had before, ever. And it only comes from God because my focus is on advancing, advance, advance. It's not like protect, protect, protect. You know, it's advance. We're here to win people. Can you say amen to that? Amen? Glory to God. Look at this verse in uh, Hebrews 13.
get, um, let me have that scripture in the New King James. I copied it in the other one. Can I have that scripture in the New? There we go. Verse 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Who said that? God said that. That's a quote from the Old Testament that God said, he said, I'd never leave you nor forsake you. Verse 6. So that we can, when, when, when God has said, and I know he'll never leave me, he'll never forsake me, nothing ever can happen that's going to destroy me no matter what anybody else does. Like that verse of scripture said about a wife to a husband, no matter what your husband does, you do what God said. You know, the, the passage I just read to you right there in 1 Peter 1 about a wife, I didn't write that, right? Zondervan didn't write that. The publisher of most of the, of the of some of the Bibles, they didn't write that. God wrote that. God said that. So when it talks about a wife, when it talks about a husband, when it talks about a leader, when it talks about a servant, when it talks about any and everybody in the Bible, when you see those things that it talks about that your natural mind doesn't necessarily agree with, you've got to engage into that and deal with whatever fear is trying to say, well, you know, I can't, I, you know, that, that was for another time, you know. The Bible's dated. The Bible's not dated. It's more relative today than it's ever been because, it, because everything in God increases. The Bible is not dated. See, so what was said here, you've got you to break it down to what it's saying, but it's still saying the same thing, and it's always said it, and it'll always say it. So what you and I have to do as we seek the Lord, then I'm able to be obedient in those areas that I see where it relates to me. I can obey that, when I'm seeking Him because He delivers me of all the fear that would keep me from doing it. It's fear that does it. And man, when I'm fear-free, and I'm, I am totally liberated from any type of fear, then I can be the person God created me to be, and there's no limits to how much... There is no limitations to how good of a husband I can be to my wife. There's no limitation. And it has nothing to do with her, how I treat her. It has everything to do with me seeking God, knowing what God says in His Word, and then hearing it, understanding it, and then following through with it. It has everything to do with me and God. And when I obey that, I promise you, He can show you how to be that person better than anybody else can. You know, read books and get information as we do all the time. Glean from uh, other people. But at the end of the day, Holy Spirit's got to re be revealing to us how to be these people that we're to be in, in the hats that we wear in life. Have to. So it said, verse 6. I'll go back to verse 5, please. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you ever. Verse 6. So that, so we may boldly say, the Lord is our helper. I will not fear. 
what can man do to me? Hmm? What can man do to you and I? Absolutely nothing. Man can do nothing. People can do nothing to us. If God's our helper, if God's on our side, if we're seeking God, if we're purposing to do what God has told us to do and, and we're pursuing him, then we know he's our helper and there's nothing to fear. I'm just telling you tonight that you, you've, got to, you've got to make that a part of your life day to day. Fear is a destroyer. Lying because of fear is a destroyer. It will, it will shut everything down. Something I say over myself every day, and I've said this for years. I speak the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. You know why you speak the word? You, you speak the word constantly on a day-to-day -day basis so that when you get in a situation, and you'll find a situation at least a dozen or more times every day to not speak the truth, then the Holy Spirit will arrest your soul with what you've been saying. I'm going to say it again. The Holy Spirit will arrest your soul with what you've been declaring and speaking. I speak the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Someone says something, and, and I'm thinking, well, you know, they don't need to know the whole truth about that, and so, you know, my mind's thinking I'm not going to answer that way, and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, you speak the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Boom. And the more you do that, the more you do that. The more you declare that you speak the truth, the more you practice speaking the truth in given situations, the more you'll speak the truth, and it will liberate you from things and times when you've been, you feel like things have been shut down in your life, but it's because you're not speaking the truth. Why? Because in one form or another, if you'll track it, if you'll pull the curtain back in your own life, you'll see where you're making decisions and you're being ruled by fear of man. Fear of people, fear of situations. Afraid that something, you know, you're going to lose control. Well, Jesus said, you want to gain life, you've got to lose your life. You lose it on behalf of him, then you'll gain it. Best thing that can ever happen to you is you not being in control.